Hello, welcome to He's Hot But Something's Off with me, just Joey T. As you're listening to this podcast, uh, whenever this comes out, whichever Thursday it is, I will be on a cruise ship. Well, I will probably be on a cruise ship. We'll see if I make the cruise ship. I give a lot of uh, gay cruise advice to a lot of people. I've got my website, justjobt.com. That's like a blog, and I have a bunch of um, cruise advice articles on there. And one of the key pieces of information that I give that I'm not taking myself for this particular cruise is that if you need to travel to where the port is, wherever the cruise is going to set sail, you should get there the day before because usually cruise ships set sail in the afternoon, 3, 4, 5 p.m., something like that. And if you fly in you know, the morning of, on the off chance that your flight gets delayed or canceled. And this year, I think ever since the pandemic, and especially this year with the weather and all the issues with air traffic control that we hear about, getting your flight delayed or canceled is more often, it's a more frequent occurrence than it used to be like a few years ago. If your flight gets canceled uh, and you can't easily get a different flight to get to your cruise, the ship is not going to wait for you. So if your cruise sets sail at 5 and you're not on board by 4, it would just go. Like Ships don't tend to wait. It's not like, I don't know, those stupid people that try to jam the doors open on subways and trains while their friends are still, you know, I hate that. I was in Chicago and someone, just like this group of people that were trying to catch the train. I was getting off and I was going down the stairs already. This group of people that were trying to catch the train, one of them was faster than his friends, went up to the door, and it, the door's already beeping. The train's already beeping, like, doors are closing, and this guy just holds open the door, and his two or three friends, however many there were, clearly were not the stair-climbing type, and I don't approve of that. I don't like it when people hold the doors open. It's... Jamming the doors, I think they ran a study. Some city ran some study about public transit. And it's something where people holding the doors, it's one of the top reasons why trains go out of service or trains get delayed. So, like, just don't. I don't like that. Anyways, yeah, usually I give the advice. If you're going to fly, if you need to fly to where the crew sets sail, you should get there the night before just in case your flight gets later canceled uh, because it's a real risk. If you find the morning of, your flight gets really delayed or it gets canceled and you don't get there when you're supposed to be on the ship, there's a deadline, the ship just goes and you pretty much have just wasted how many thousands of dollars you spent booking that cruise and you're not on board and there are no refunds if that's why you can't get on the ship. So I always recommend get there the day or the night before um, book a random hotel wherever so that when you wake up in the morning, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're ready to go and start your cruise vacation. This time, I am not taking that advice myself. So I'm going to, I'm taking three flights between to get from Los Angeles to Rome in Italy where the cruise is going to set sail. Yes, there are direct flights. I'm very aware of this as a frequent flyer. But I don't have the same, I don't have the day job anymore. Uh, I've got the side hustles bringing in a smidge of money. And I did have a ton of points to burn from like all the traveling I did before. So 
the uh, other consideration was I, it's going to be an overnight flight. When I get to Rome, I need to be in Rome in the morning. The, I need to be on the ship by 4 p.m. that day on Monday. And I looked at all the different flights that were going into Rome. And the flight I have, um, it, the flight I have is going to get to Rome around like 8, 8.30 a.m., which is good. If it's delayed like a little bit by like two or three hours, I still get there by like noon, which is like still lots of time. Um. To because that flight is a red eye flight, it's eight hours across the Atlantic Ocean to get from uh, the US to Europe. I decided, well, I need to sleep, right? It's a red eye flight, overnight flight. Um, once I get there, I need to go straight to the cruise ship. Uh, I should sleep, and you know, it's more comfortable to sleep if you have a nicer seat. So I was looking for, oh, are there some business class or premium economy options I can book with points? And the only reasonably priced award ticket I could find that would give me premium economy for the flight across the Atlantic for that eight-hour flight is that if I do two connecting flights from here in LA, I would go to Chicago, also a red eye the night before. And then um, after that, I'll go from Chicago to uh, Dulles. Um, airport uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. And then I will have to kill like six hours at Dulles Airport before I board my flight, the eight-hour red-eye, to go to Rome. So very complicated. There's method to the madness. Uh, but that's why I'm taking three flights to get from L.A. to get to Rome. It's because I wanted to get um, a nicer seat, a premium economy seat. And the there were some slightly cheap fares, uh, award fares with points that I was able to book. And this was the most feasible out of all the crazy itineraries. When you buy a award, when you book an award fare versus paying cash money for a flight, the itineraries that you are, uh, you have the option to choose from is more limited with points. So, Obviously, there are nonstop flights from LA to Rome, but that's how many hours is that? 12 hours, maybe 14 hours. I don't want to sit in economy. No one wants to sit in economy for 14 hours. So it was kind of a benefit for me to basically just get from the West Coast to the East Coast, which is a domestic hop. I don't know, five hours, maybe give or take. And then to go from one of the big airports on the in the uh, northeast, uh, D.C., New York, or whatever, to hop across the Atlantic, that's about eight hours. So when you can't fly a premium cabin, and most people can't, it's nicer. Sometimes that nonstop flight sounds amazing on paper. You get there in the shortest amount of time. But if you have to do like 14 hours in economy, that's a lot of time to do economy. So when I, can't, when I have to fly economy, sometimes... I intentionally take the one stop, the connecting flight, so that I can get off the plane and stretch my legs. And even if you're within the airport and you don't leave security, at least it's not this tiny little seat that is 17 inches wide. You've got no wiggle room. You're smelling the farts from the guy next to you. So that's still a little bit better. Anyways, in a couple of weeks, when I'm back from the cruise, definitely will let everyone know all the stories I have from that cruise or how it went. This is going to be a more relaxing cruise relative to all the other cruises I've done. The uh, Mediterranean cruise in Europe that Atlantis she puts on is usually a little bit more mellow relative to the other ones. They're still 
uh, a party almost every single day on the cruise. But a lot of people stop at the ports. Um, it stops at some ports in Italy. It stops in Monaco. It stopped in Ibiza overnight, actually. And I, I think I'm a get off at Ibiza because I've never been there before. And there's a lot of clubs, obviously. But it's going to be more mellow cruise. I I don't know that many people. I don't know a ton of people that are going on this cruise. I know some. But this is not like the big party cruises that I more often go on. So it'll be interesting. I'll have an update for everyone when uh, up two or three weeks from now when I'm back. The other interesting thing that happened, I m- quick mentioned this briefly, was I was studying for my U.S. citizenship interview and test. And that was um, recent. Uh, I, I just got that done. And I passed. So I am now technically a U.S. citizen. So it's interesting. I didn't fully read up like um, the full process. Obviously, I reviewed what the full citizenship, the naturalization process was ages ago when I was looking into applying. But for this part of it, lately, I've just been focusing on studying for the civics test. So there's 100 questions about U.S. history and the U.S. government and voting and all that kind of stuff. They pick 10 questions and you have to get six of them right. And I was, I, I knew the answer to all 100 questions. I kid you not, definitely. Uh, even driving to the, uh, the, to the test, it was like a 45-minute drive. Um, I downloaded some YouTube videos that I played back, like the audio only, uh, played it back in the car, where they basically read out the questions verbally in some random order, and you just answered it because it's actually a verbal test. It's not a multiple choice. It's not on paper. And uh, I didn't otherwise knew or studied or read about the other parts. I was just so focused on, okay, you have to pass the knowledge test they have um, a short test on your ability to read and write English. I was like, okay, no problem. And everything else is not really something you need to study for or the other parts of the interview. And I didn't know that they were able to make a decision on your application, like on the spot right at that moment. I thought you go in for the test to interview, whatever it is, they send you away and then like, 12 months later, you get a letter that says, oh, you need to do something else now. Or like, oh, yeah, you approve or denied or blah, 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 blah. I don't think that you can do like same day, just get everything done. So going into it, uh, I got there on time. It's pretty smooth. Saw the officer, did all the testing and everything. She asked six questions. And because I got six questions right already, she didn't ask me anymore. But yeah, it was flying colors. The t- all the studying paid off. And... She does her thing. The English te- part of the test was like really easy. And then she motions behind her and she says, usually we will review your immigration, your full file. And she motions to some like manila folders behind her. She's got this like massive file cabinet behind her and there's like another table behind. And there's some manila folders like you see in movies or TV or whatever. Manila folders full of papers, and there were uh, a couple. Uh, there are a few of these uh, Manila folders behind, right behind her, with papers in it. These folders probably each had like a hundred, two hundred pages in them. They were like an inch, inch and a half thick, or something like that. She motions behind her and says, "Usually, we get a f- printed copy of your immigration file, like those behind me, and that's what we go through to." 
review everything about you to make a decision as to whether we can approve your application. But in your case, yours is digital. So I need to send in a request to whoever, your mom, to like get the digital copy of the immigration file. So like I don't have it with me. Therefore, I can't make a decision right away as to whether we can approve you for application. And I thought like, okay, like I, in my head, I was thinking I didn't expect you to do it on the spot. I expect you would just get back to me in six to 12 months, which is like everything to the government is so slow, right? Especially in the US, it's like so inefficient. So I was like, okay, sure, whatever. That's what I was expecting anyways, to just come back later or have to like just wait for a letter. Then she said, but we do need to, but you pass it interview that's fine everything looks good uh, we do need to take your photo though so like take this piece of paper go to like go down the hall to this other room and then they'll take your photo so i did that walked down this hallway went to this other room and uh i sat there and i was just just tiny little waiting area and i thought i was just gonna get my photo taken literally two or three minutes later random person pops out of the door in the waiting room and they, he says joey uh, the officer is waiting for you. Could you go back to like the room that you were in before? And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like I'll do whatever you guys tell me. So went back to the room I was in before where I was, had the interview with the officer and she tells me, oh, when I requested your digital file, it actually came through right away. So I was able to review it just now and like your application is approved you can do the same day naturalization ceremony that's downstairs. So that part I was not expecting. And I didn't know there was like such a thing that I didn't know the government could be this efficient about something as big as granting citizenship to someone. I was like very, very impressed. So she sent me downstairs with a different piece of paper uh, to like the first floor. And there was a, this completely separate area where a bunch of other people were waiting. They're like, go to this particular window in this particular room. Walked up there, got my photo taken with, yeah, got my photo taken again. Wasn't looking good, by the way, but whatever. It's some, a photo that no one would ever see. Was at the window talking to the person. She's typing, 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 and I'm just standing. They're so awkward when you go up to some sort of counter or kiosk or whatever, and the person is working on your request, like whatever it is. And they're just on the computer. And obviously like the computers are slow and they have to type a bunch of stuff. They're type to type, click, 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 blah, blah, blah. And you're just standing there and there's like nothing for you to do. I didn't want to whip out my phone randomly because I felt like there weren't any signs that says you couldn't use your phone. I w I've been in four different rooms in the USCIS office by the time. And I kept on looking there aren't any signs that says you could not use your phone, but some places you can't use your phone. When you go through passport control, when you're crossing the border or something, a lot of times when you're lining up for the passport control line in a lot of airports, there are signs that says you don't use your phone and don't use cameras. So I was looking for those signs because I was thinking, isn't this, it felt like a situation where maybe you shouldn't use your phone and you shouldn't use a camera, but there weren't any of those signs, but I'm standing up at this kiosk. She's doing her thing. And I'm just like standing there and it's like, I've got nothing to do. I can't whip out my phone and just like be on Reddit or Twitter or whatever, like I usually would be because I'm bored. But she does her thing anyway. She does her thing. And then she, there's like a stack of um, 
envelopes that's kind of on the side of her desk. And I can see that they are identical looking. They're like pre-packaged things for her to give out. And I didn't notice it until she went and grabbed one of them. There's like a stack of like three or four of these things, identical looking, very crisp new envelopes. And on top, there was a little American flag. So when she was done her thing, she grabs one of those things and uh, she gives it to me. I forgot exactly what she said, but like it was basically like, the welcome packet, like the congratulations packet. Now you're a U.S. citizen. There's a little American flag, and she's like, says, blah, blah, blah. Oh, congratulations. I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, and she tells me to wait over in the in the waiting area. Um, yeah, so that was like, it, it, it was very easy. I was surprised how easy it was. So the final step of the whole process is to take the oath of allegiance. So I was in the waiting area for like, just a few minutes, this officer comes out. It's like a, what you might call it, um, like a conference-type area. So there's like a bunch of chairs, and there's a podium up at the front. And what I didn't notice until the very end was there's a giant American flag, like a huge one, just like sitting there by the podium. I noticed the podium. I noticed all the seating areas. I noticed all the TVs. I noticed all the tiny little mics that were like the conference mics that were hanging down from like the ceiling. I did not notice this giant American flag. Everything I noticed in that room, except for that flag, until the very end when I was leaving, I was like, oh, it's a giant American flag right by the podium there. So this officer comes out, and he reads out a bunch of people's names, like eight or ten of us, and, oh, this is actually, like, the ceremony that you have um, as, like, the final step of, like, the nationalization process. So he takes us through, uh, verifies our names, gives us the official certificate of nationalization that you get. That's like an official government document that proves like you went through the process, you're now a citizen. And we repeat after him the uh, oath of allegiance. I, I hope I'm saying that right. I think it pretty sure it's the oath of allegiance. We repeat after him, we say all the things, and then everyone's like, woohoo. And then he says like, oh, you want photos? It, he does this all the time, I'm sure. So he's like, oh, you want photos? I could take your photos. There's like eight or ten of us. And... I don't. I didn't need the photo. I, I, I'm. I'm glad that I'm. Uh, I'm happy to be a citizen. I'm happy to be American now. I'm happy to have gone through the process. I'm. I think it's great that it went so smooth. But I, I don't need this. I don't need the souvenir. I don't need the photo. I'm not really a photo person. So, um, everyone was like lining up to take the photo. Me, 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 me. And I saw people like go up, go there, holding holding that little American flag that they were given earlier, and like their certificate, and they're standing beside the giant American flag, and then. The officer person is getting their phones, taking their selfies, and I like just discreetly walk off. Yeah, so it was a um, surprisingly uh, easy process. I just thought it would be lengthier and clunkier, but yeah, kudos to the USCIS. Um, the one thing uh, I took some notes when I was there on a couple of things. Uh, when I first got there. Um, you have to go through um, actually airport style security, but it's like a government building, so you have to uh, take everything off, take out your electronics. They have to X-ray everything, whatever. And afterwards, uh, I was about to go to the elevators, but I saw the sign for the bathroom, and I was thinking I should probably go to the bathroom first in case there's whatever. I just just get out of the way. Went to the bathroom, and I was in there. When I walked into the bathroom, there's this guy just standing around not doing anything. He looks like he was waiting. 
it's so weird when people are in a bathroom, a public bathroom, just standing around not doing anything. I see this more than it should happen, to be honest. It wasn't a big bathroom. At first, I thought, oh, maybe he's waiting for a stall or he's waiting for his kid to pee, something like that. There were a lot of kids there. He kind of sort of looked like he could be a dad. I went in there, went to the urinal, did my thing. And then uh, afterwards, I went to wash my hands. And he was standing where, like, the wash basin area is. And when I got that second look, when I went to wash my hands at him, he clearly looked like he wasn't waiting for someone. He was just, like, loitering, basically. So I started washing my hands, and I'm like, look over. And then I see that he's charging his phone because there's an outlet where the counter is with all, like, the wash basins. I'm thinking... The amount of people that I see charging phones at the airport, for example, I'm thinking, why, why can't people just have USB battery packs? It's not some new invention. You can get battery packs that stick onto the back of your iPhone these days, the MagSafe ones. You can, like, so many airplanes have power outlets in all the rows now. Just have a USB battery pack. I have one. I almost never use it, though. Honestly, the USB battery pack that I carry that's always in my luggage, like a sizable one. It can charge my laptop twice. It can charge my phone five times or something. I almost never use it. I'm very good at charging everything, uh, all my electronics, before I go to the airport. Anyways, this guy, though, he was loitering. I looked over because, yeah, he's got his phone plugged into a power outlet on the on the uh, on the other side of the counter in the bathroom. So he's just hanging out in a bathroom, charging his effing phone. If you were to, if you had a day where you had to go to the USCIS office or like a government building to do something, wouldn't you effing charge your phone first before you, when you woke up that day? It was 10, 11 a.m. If it's 11 a.m. and your phone's already dead, seriously. So, it was so weird. Don't, I don't want to see people randomly hang out in the bathroom. You just look like you just look like a, a not. A, you look like you're up to no good. We just standing there, loitering in the bathroom. Like it looks so awkward. It looks so weird. Like just don't do it. 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 it, it I don't know. Anyways, charge your phone. That's the lesson right there. And I was in a bunch of different rooms. So you have to go to one room. Then you check in, and they send you to a different room. You wait, and they call you into a third room. I was, I've been in like four or five different rooms uh, when I threw off the whole process. The second room I was in was just a waiting room. It was purely just for waiting. It was a large waiting room, and there were kids in there. And it's dead silent. There's no background music. It's very, very quiet. It's, uh, yeah. And there were, this, this family, there's quite a few families there, which is fine. It's one family there, and they've got two kids, a boy and a girl, like younger, like three-year-old and like six-year-old or something. They're kind of running around. The, these are the age when kids just run around, and they're not very obedient. Um, so there's like a roped-off area in like the back corner, and the kids kept on running into the area. And I can't tell if this person was the nanny or the wife. Because the husband was with lawyers, I think, because there were these two people in suits. 
with the husband who's not like super dressed up, but these other people that were sitting with the husband were like very like full on business attire. Looks like immigration lawyers or something like that. And there's the woman with the two kids, like, you know, like a few chairs down. I can't tell if it's like the wife or the nanny. It looks a little bit young to be a wife. Anyways, uh, but the woman was like looking after the kids and like not being that effective. At one point, the younger little girl uh, ran, ran off. And this is a government building. All the doors have this little keypad where like with a, with a key with a keypad you can put in a passcode or pin to open the door like every single door also had that this girl runs up to the thing starts pressing buttons there's a screen on it the screen lights up and it starts beeping uh, and, and the, the woman honestly didn't seem like she cared that much about setting off an alarm or whatever i don't know this is maybe if i had kids i would need to adopt my mom's um way of uh, raising kids in, in this specific situation we are not allowed to like run around I don't want my kids to run around in public I get that kids are very difficult raising kids are very difficult I don't think you need to be a parent to appreciate how much work it takes to look after and raise kids I think it's like pretty obvious but I would just have not as much tolerance compared to maybe a lot of other parents regarding my kids running around in a public setting. Obviously, the immigration office is no fun for everyone. When you're forced to wait for like 30, 45, 60 minutes and you have no control, government buildings are boring even for adults. So I can appreciate for these kids, yeah, that's not it. it they were just bored. I think I would probably have brought some iPads for my kids, brought some headphones and... Let the iPad help babysit the kids. I, I think there are parents that don't want that for their kids. They don't want their kids to be on the technology on the screens and everything all the time. I don't think I'm that parent. I would just load up games, cartoons, whatever, throw it onto the iPad. Look, government a government building is effing boring. You need to bring some sort of entertainment for your kids. Either you provide the entertainment or they're going to make entertainment. And I would rather me provide the entertainment than kids making entertainment on their own, which is pressing random buttons on keypads that might set alarms off, running randomly around annoying other people, being loud and yelling, running behind ropes into restricted areas where they shouldn't be. Kids will make their own entertainment when they're bored unless you entertain them. So I would grab some iPads, play some videos, I don't know, rub some whiskey or whatever on their gums, I don't know, and yeah, set them off. You can't expect kids to wait 45 minutes. I don't know, this family, though, was waiting longer. When I went to this waiting room, there were, I don't know, 15 other people in there, and I was thinking, this must be a long wait. I must be after all these people. But I went in there, I waited 15 minutes, and my, my name got called. Before all these other people, there was one, was one other person, one or two other people that they came into the building around the same time. They checked. I saw them in the check-in line earlier. Checked in around the same time as me. We were in the other waiting room at around the same time, and all our names got called at the same time. So these other people, I don't know what they were doing. But anyways, I am a U.S. citizen now. I need to get a passport. And 
I think the most problematic part about passports is getting the photos. When I was in Canada to get the Canadian passport photo, the first time I did it, they rejected the photo because they had so many nitpicky rules about the passport photo with the size and the background and millimeters between your head and your chin and the edge of the photo or all that kind of stuff. I looked up uh, the rules for the passport for the U.S., just curious, and they don't seem super restrictive, but uh, that's the next thing I'm going to need to do. I should probably just go and get that U.S. password. All right, uh, next week, uh, I'm going to go record next week's podcast now, but I'm re-recording two podcasts in a row in advance, so you all have some lovely podcast content, and don't forget, you can get the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel, Just Joey T, as well as on Spotify. So until next week, bye.